Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the 1871 podcast. And we've got former Royals under 23s midfielder Lewis Collins with us. Um, so hello, Lewis. Welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm brilliant. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us. I'm excited. No, you're very welcome. Thanks for, for joining us. And Lewis, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by telling the story of how you came to sign for Reading. Um, and I know a bit about that because I had something to do with that. And, and I'll, I'll explain that. So back in 2012, um, which, of course, was the last time Reading were in the Premier League, um, I was editor of a football website and, and your dad contacted me to see if I might be able to publish a story about you. Um, and the reason he wanted to do that was at, at the time you were playing for, I think it was Grimsby's under-19s, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was playing, well, under eight, I was playing for the 18s when I was like yeah. 14, 15. Yeah, so you were um, playing... playing they, was not, they was in the conference. Yeah. Like they are now at the minute. So I was, I was looking to maybe try and get out there and get into the Football League or yeah. just move to the best club I possibly could, really. Yeah, and, and you were also, um, and this is, why, this is why your dad contacted me, wasn't it? Because you were also playing for uh, one of the Northern Ireland age groups and you, your dad was having to fund all of your travel for your trips with Northern Ireland and he was telling me yeah. about that. So he thought the publicity might, might help you possibly get a sponsor. So um, I, I said that I thought possibly I could do better than, than just do a story because I knew Steve Wood. Uh, Steve Wood, the former Reading player. My dad was his agent. Uh, Steve Wood went on to become an agent. So I introduced um, your dad to Steve Wood. Um, and then to cut a long story short, you signed for Reading. So take us back to when your dad first started talking to Steve. What, what do you remember about that? Um, like I said, I was, I was, I was one of them sort of man childs. Um, I was, I'm, I'm about 5'11 now and I was that size from about 13 um, and I've always been decent on the ball. So at, at 14, I was capable of playing a lot higher, um, which sort of got interest from other clubs. So at like at 15, I ended up, I went away with Man City 
and I went to Liverpool for a week. And then after that, there was other clubs sort of starting to get interested in having a look at me. And I thought it was probably about time to get an agent. And then this is sort of when Steve got involved. Um, and then it was, it, I had three clubs really to choose from. Steve had links down in at Reading, obviously, and Southampton. So I went for a, a trial down to the both of those. And then the other club was Blackburn. And I did like a week or two at all of them. And then after, after that, it, the contract sort of got offered up and I got offered a scholarship, which is like your two years as an under 18 and a pro at Blackburn. And the same at Reading and just the scholarship at Southampton. So that sort of wanted an option. It was between Blackburn and Reading. Um, and there was sort of polar opposites, to be fair. Uh, Blackburn's academy and first team ground, it's set in the middle of nowhere. It's all like really private and every all the young players, the under 18s and the pros, live on site in like these shared players' houses and you share a bedroom and stuff. And it's, don't get me wrong, they've produced some good players, but it just wasn't for me. But I, I told them that I wanted to sign there and it's 15, the only sort of reason was so it was like within two hours, two and a bit hours to get back to Grimsby, whereas Reading was about four. Um, so it was it was all pretty much done that I was going to Blackburn. And then uh, like the week before I was supposed to sign, I said, I don't actually want to go there. Uh, I was just sort of going because it was easier to get home and I preferred it at Reading. Um, there was some, there's some characters, and I don't know if you know about him, Charles, the bus driver, this Jamaican guy and he I met him on my first time down there and he just sort of he's one of the craziest the biggest characters I've ever met so like that sort of just sparked sparked the interest for me there and then I just it just felt right to go there rather than um than Blackburn I feel like I could have been depressed at Blackburn which and I wasn't at when I signed for Reading so I ended up going to Reading yeah, well, that's good to hear. And your, your dad is Dave Collins, and he was a professional footballer, wasn't he? He played for Grimsby. Yeah, yeah he played for Grimsby. Um, and then some just sort of non-league sides in the north after that. Um, I think he got released about the same time I stopped playing pro, about 21 um, from Grimsby. Uh, and so you were 15 when you came down to Reading, is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And what was that? Having made that decision, because you, as you said, you you were gonna sign for Blackburn, and then you, you changed your mind and decided to come down to Reading. And obviously, coming from Grimsby to Reading at, at fifteen, what was that initial experience like for you? Uh, daunting, um, and I think it it won't really spoke about then. The, the social media sort of side's got a lot bigger now, so you see you see young players speaking about the troubles that they sort of have because everyone thinks. Right, he's the footballer. It's amazing. You've got all this money straight away and and this and that, but it's not like that. And at 15, 16, moving away, is, it's very daunting. I was sort of lucky that um, Eamon Dolan was one of the reasons that I moved. Um, and he used to come and watch me like every couple of months play for my county team. Because when I decided to sign, it was like a, a lapse over and I wasn't allowed to play for Grimsby anymore, but I could play for my county for a couple of months. There was a striker at my county team who was at Hull City at the time and he'd done really well, um, better than I had, playing like a lot older. And I think he, he played in like the semi-final, quarter-final of the Youth Cup and scored like a couple of winners. And Eamon ended up signing him as well. So we moved down together and I knew him from playing against him for years and and that's Harry Cardwell. And we 
we moved into like a, we called them digs. It's like a family that would take players in. So I moved in with him, um, which sort of made it easier. But before moving, I was really scared and think I was going to be homesick. And Harry was the total opposite. He didn't think he was going to be homesick at all. When we actually got down there, after like the first six weeks, it was total, totally the opposite. I was, wasn't was bothered in the slightest loving it. And Harry was on the train every weekend, like five hours back to Hull and then back on the Sunday night. So we'd be home for like one night. So he really struggled, whereas I didn't. And, and and I know, I'm pretty sure I know who you were lodging with. It was Simon Pullen. Is that right? Yeah, initially, when I come down for the first few weeks, when I was like 15, I lodged with Simon Pullen. Um, that was sort of when, yeah, that was like when I was still an under 16 because we went to Barcelona then as well and played some games and I stayed at his den. But after that, I, I stayed in a few different digs. Yeah. Um, and you started playing... Did, did you start playing straight away for Reading's under-18s or were you at a lower no, level? No, we were still playing for my age group then, so I just started playing for the under-16s. Um, that's the thing with Reading. It's a bit different to other academies and that's probably my only regret about signing there was most academies at an under-18 level have 20 players maybe or like a smaller club have 18 um, for like a squad of 16 or a squad of 18 Reading, I think we had 30, 30 players for like a match day squad of 16. So you didn't really play unless you was really, really good until you was a second year, um, which sort of holds you back. So Reading produced loads of players, but they they, they have a massive catchment. They, they take 30 players to produce X amount. So a lot of the boys get sort of left by the wayside. There were some players who barely played a minute for the whole two years that there was an under 18 um, which I have some sort of friends like that. And I didn't really play much in my first scholarship year. Um, it was only when I could become a second year that I started to play all the time. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, do you, do you want to come in? Yeah, Lewis, like that, that oh, changing from age groups, to, you know, and, and the progression, you know, through the academy out to the 23s. How difficult is that? And the pressure is that you've got to make the next level. Or uh, did you know at a point where you're like, Okay, I'm 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 in or I'm out. Is there a kind yeah. of yeah, yeah? It was I was when I'd finished in my under 18s when we moved up to signing a pro and being in the under 20. It was under 21s at the time um, when I was there. Um, I knew after pre-season there was like five or six of us, and in, even your under 21s, we had under 21 squad of young pros, 28 players. What club had 28? players between 19 and 21, all that are pros that, that aren't playing any first-team football for a squad of like 15 or 16 to play on a weekend. So after pre-season, there was about six of us who sort of knew we weren't going to get a sniff all season. So we ended up all going out on loan to sort of non-league clubs. Um, I went to Farnborough and, and played really well, to be honest, while I was there. I was there till Christmas. We were struggling at, at Farnborough, but I was playing really well but still training with the under-21s. When I was coming back training, quite a few of the lads said to me like how good I was doing. Um, don't get me wrong, I was never one of the best players and I, I probably shouldn't have got another pro, maybe another year. Probably should have got another year while I was there. But I was doing well. Um, but the writing was on the door for me, I felt, after the first six weeks of pre-season. Um, and no matter what I sort of did in training or on my loan spell, it was... Um, 
it was very much sort of this is what's going to happen and there's nothing you can sort of do to change it. Um, and I think how hard is that mentally? You know, yeah, really, really tough. Happen. Really tough. Um, you sort of feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall and you, you've made these sacrifices to move and you're putting everything into it and it feels like everything you do, you can't, nothing's happened. And because the squad was so big, there was a couple of injuries. You didn't even get on the bench maybe or get a chance to start because there were so many players sort of in front of you. Um, so, yeah, it, it was really difficult. And is it, would you say it would be kind of like clicky? Yeah, I don't mean, you know, in a, in a football yeah. sense, if you're in the gang, if you're in the gang, you're in the gang. And if you weren't... Oh, like, yeah, there was definitely... I think there is a lot of clubs though, but particularly... Uh, at Reading, when I was there, there was there was sort of favourites and who the staff rated highly. Don't get me wrong, a lot of them were really good, but they they would get a lot more leeway with things. Sort of, if they played poorly, they'd still play um, because they had this. Do you know, it's sort of what you see it a lot now. To be fair, in football, if if you're an asset to a club, they think maybe you've got a bigger chance of playing and kicking on, or they get some money for you. They'd get a lot more leeway and sort of a break. Whereas if you was that didn't think you maybe was going to be some sort of big big player, um, you didn't get that sort of the same sort of rubbers with everybody else. And Lewis, um, what what was the uh, what's the, the the sort of general thing like in in football back then and and now with professional clubs? Because the perception is that um, of the number of players that actually make it and go on and play for the first team. There's a lot more that that don't. Is is that pretty much the way it is? Is that how you did you sort of get a sense yeah. of that? Yeah, definitely. I think I was sort of lucky that I ended up at Reading, where we was in the Premiership when I signed, and then Championship for the rest of my time there. And our academy was really good. So I think there's only out of the 28 players that was playing, I think there's only one or two that don't play football anymore from our under 18s. Um, either the rest of them all either play professionally or play some sort of level at semi-pro um, and still earn a few quid. Whereas friends that I had from Grimsby, like a League Two club, if you don't break through there, like none of them, majority of them don't even play non-league anymore. They just stop playing altogether. Um, but yeah, to make it to, through to the first team at Reading, we had probably... Two, two my age group, well, one my age group, really, and then the age group above and below, there was a couple more. Yeah, and, and you got into the... So you you were with the under-18s and then you you moved up. Uh, so how did it work? You, you signed a pro contract and then you were playing in the under-21s, is that how it worked? Yeah, that's yeah. so when you finish your scholarship at the end of your second year, you either get another contract, you either get a pro or you get let go. I'd already signed a pro um, in like the sort of the previous deal. So I was sort of guaranteed to be there anyway. Um, but like I said, I went on loan after maybe, after st- initially straight after pre-season. I went to Farnborough until Christmas and played there. Yeah. Um, and, and then you, you kind of already said that you got the sense that um, you weren't going to progress to the first team. So did your mind then start thinking of about what you're going to do next? Yeah, it was always still play football at that point because um, I was like 19, so I was still young. 
about to turn 20 and I thought I've just done really well. Um, I'm at a championship club. Surely I could play for someone lower down. So at the end of that season, I played in a, f- a few trial games um, and then I ended up going to Swansea for a week. Did really well at Swansea for a week, I thought. But And then at the end of the week, they said, we, we're not offering you anything. I think they had three centre-mids my age there in the under-21s. And they said there was all of similar level to me um, and they was all contracted. So they said if to sign me, I'd have had to have been sort of levels above them um, to make it worth the while. So I didn't get anything there. And then I went to Crew. Um, oh, no, that, that was the following season. Yeah, so then I went to Doncaster after that, um, which was closer to home. Um, and I'd played against a lot of the players there before. And I played in two reserve games there. Um, I think I scored two in the first game and scored one and set one up in the, in the other game. And one of the goals was one of the best goals I've ever scored. I got it in the middle of the pitch at the halfway line and ran past like three or four players right down the middle of the pitch and then make the keeper. And after the game, all the lads were saying, I'm going to get signed and stuff. Um, And then the manager at the time was Darren Ferguson, Alex Ferguson's son. They spoke to me afterwards and they said, they was in a relegation battle. They said, we'll speak, we want to sign you. We need to see what league we're going to be in. So it was in league one at the time. Um, and two weeks later, they think they ended up getting relegated and they rang me and they said, they're scrapping the under-21s. No young pro is getting a new contract there and they're not signing anybody else. So that was, and that was like after the season had finished. So then I was going into pre-season without a club when I thought it was nailed on that I was signing at Donny. Uh, then I went to crew, but I sort of, my head wasn't sort of in it at that time. Um and then I didn't get anything there. Then finally, Steve Ward and Dave Hughes got me and a boy who was at Oxford at the time, AJ George. He was with the same agency and I played against him and he was a good player. He got us both a trial at Mansfield. And then we both ended up signing there after a couple of weeks. We both signed two years contracts at Mansfield, um, which was really good initially. That was sort of exciting. and thought, right, we've got a, a chance here to play. Yeah. And, and and the reason we actually <clears throat> got you on, obviously, there's a, a a bit of a personal connection that goes back to, you know, that first conversation I had with with your dad. But um, we've had a lot of, you, you could say, Johnny Royals legends, really, haven't haven't we? You know, ex players. Um, but we wanted to kind of get the the viewpoint of, of someone who, you know, has been to Reading, has has come through the under 18s, under 21s, but then you know, didn't make it up to the first team just to yeah. get just to get a sense of what that experience was like. And were there, I mean, you, you said that most of the players went on and, and did carry on playing professionally or on non-league, semi-pro. Um, were there any players in the under-18s and under-23s at Reading um, who you played with who went on to play for Reading's first team? Yeah. Remember? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, I'll start with the younger, but the, the year younger than, well... Tom McIntyre, he used to play a couple of years up, he'd play. Then the year younger than me, there was Omar Richards, um, Luke Southwood, Gabriel Osho, Josh Barrett. Then my age group, uh, the only one who really played was Andre Novakovic, American striker. He played like a little bit over two seasons. And then the year above me was sort of the uh, Jack Stacey, 
Dom Hyam, Rob Dickey, Liam Kelly, Aaron Cole. Uh, yeah, those players. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and, and what about any players that sort of went on to, to play for other clubs that people listening would have heard of? Um, so of my age, there's Zach Jules is at MK Dons at the minute. It was my age. Tanae Watson, I think he played maybe a couple of games for Reading at right back. Uh, he's at MK Dons now. What else is there? Sweeney was around, wasn't he, Lewis? Yeah, Sweeney's actually. He was a couple of years older than me, but he was one of the boys that I was quite uh, friendly with. Because, um, yeah. uh, funny actually, Sweeney's has got a bit of weight on him. And I sort of do for in the football world. Don't get me wrong, we're not fat, but like for a, a footballer, me and him always used to get called fat and fatties. So now he's doing really well. I, I messaged him the other day saying he's rep- representing us fat players well. <laughs> he's got promotion. Um yeah, Sweeney's is his top man to be fair. Uh, and Lewis, what um you know, in terms of your experience, when you look back at your time at Reading coming down from Grimsby, do you see it as a as a positive experience or do you, do you partly sort of did it open your eyes to you know how tough it is to oh, to yeah. make it into the first team? Mixed really, to be honest. I loved it and, and I really enjoyed being there, but it did open my eyes to sort of the level where the players, I think I was a bit unlucky to be fair. Those boys around me, especially the year above, they were so good, some of the players, that it, it sort of stunted me being able to kick on. Whereas if I'd have stayed at Grimsby at the time, I'd have probably been, I'd have had a chance of still being there now and playing, or I'd have definitely played a lot more games than I sort of had. I have. Um, so it's one of them things. I sort of, it's a bit of a leap of faith. At the time, I thought at 15, 16, I'm going to be a championship player or a premiership player um, because I was doing so well. And then it sort of, it didn't work out the way I wanted, but it sort of shaped me into the person that I am now. And it, everything's sort of been a learning curve. Mm. And I, I'm in a good place now, so I can't complain. Yeah, and, and did you did you get to mix with, with the first team players at Reading when you were there? Uh, only... Round the round the training ground a little bit. The only ones I really spoke to, um, because I was still only nineteen when we was there, and I wanted in the first team squad was uh, sort of Chris Gunter. He was like he always used to have a chat with me and stuff. Um, and yeah, other than that, but then I, I'm really close with Tom Mack and Luke Southwood now, so they're obviously fit. I, I still see them as like the like the young lads who was in my changing room sort of thing. Um but they're not either they they've they've played a lot of games for for Reading. So yeah. yeah. And and what about the the, the staff? You mentioned uh Aim and Dolan, but which which of the you know which, which of the people at Reading do you think were particularly helpful during your time there? Um so in my under 18s I had two sort of managers run it and the one I really liked was Michael Jilks. Um, who's, who's still at the club now Jilksy he was he was a top really good guy um, 
you could tell he sort of cared about all the players and stuff and wanted the best for everybody. And then under 21s was uh, Martin Cool, so Aaron Cool's old man. Um, he was a bit more, how do I describe him? Bit, he was a bit crackers, to be honest, but unbelievable coach. Like the detail that he goes into on things. I've never had a coach as good as him. I'll always say that. Like, just how he just knew football inside out, like, I, like nobody I've ever spoken to before. Um, he really, really impressed me, but he was just a bit crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Brian McDermott? Did you, um, did you speak to him much? Um, only a little bit round the, round the, um, Around the training ground, the, the the manager when I initially signed was Nigel Adkins, and he was a, a really really top man, um, really friendly and sort of personal with everybody. He'd sort of remember things about players when he didn't really have, have to, um, sort of with the younger players. Whereas like when Steve Clark was there, he would, and I was a pro at the time actually, and like only a first year pro, I was a pro, but he'd walk past you at the training ground and just blank you, like if you said morning gaffer or something, or he wouldn't even give you any eye contact. He was sort of really in my eyes, sort of rude. I don't think there's, a, there's no reason to be like that to people. Um, but he's obviously been successful where he's been. But yeah, it, it, it shows sort of just the different characters that you get in a football club. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Eamon Dolan earlier. He's he's held in such high regard at Reading. There's a stand named after him, obviously, sadly, no longer with us. Um, what, what was what was he like, you know, as a, as a mentor and as a person? Uh, like like a sort of a bit of a father figure, but one of them father figures that you were you sort of petrified of um, as well. Um, I can remember he caught me and a few of the I was one of the older ones because uh, I'm an October birthday, and we all went out for my birthday. Um, but most of the lads were 17 at the time. I was there was only a couple of us that were 18, and we went out in Reading after a game. Somehow it got back to Eamon that we'd been out. Um, and he got, he had us all in his office. Um, and this is how naive he was at the time. He told us that he knew, uh, he knew exactly who would been out, out of the whole squad because he'd got the CCTV footage from inside the club and we was all petrified and everyone who went ended up admitting who that they'd gone. And then like looking back, there's no chance he was given any sort of CCTV. And if he did, there's no way he could have seen who it was, but we all, we always just so scared we all admitted it so and then we all got fined but we made sure we was careful after that yeah and, and then your time obviously eventually at Reading came to to the end and uh it wasn't that many years ago was it, it was 2016 was it and you went to yeah. Nashville yeah yeah but look, looking back now on on your time at Reading uh what, what's your kind of overall feeling about the the, the experience that you had there um, it, it's a great place to learn how to be a footballer, I think, because um, there's, there's great coaches. I think they do things the right way. The only, the biggest thing I would would have said is just that the, the squads were too big, just to to give. It, it, they'll produce more players that way, but just for everybody, it's like a, I'm a teacher now, and when I teach my class, it's got like 30 kids in. If ever there's like. I don't know, I'm working with a small group or something. It's much easier to work with that small group because you can give them that more detail and be more personal with them. So that's the that's the biggest thing, um, if if anything was to change. But the coaching, the facilities, the do things right, the play the right way, um, I couldn't really fault any of that, to be honest. And, and Johnny, do you, any, 
Any more questions you want yeah, to ask, Lewis? One of our, our ex-players came on and talks about the fact that under-23 football doesn't really give guys introduction to men's football, if you like. What do you think about that? You know, the step up, you know, like yeah. the old reserve teams used to have a mixture of the younger players that are coming back from injuries. What yeah, I, I think even reserve football, because I played that when I was at Mansfield, because um, you don't know, sort of have an under-23, so you just have first team with some young pros. Um, none of it's like team football really I think you've got to play that sort of total football way that the under 23s do if you want to play at a decent level because you can learn to play the other way you can learn to just tackle and shell it long and get stuck in and squeeze up and that sort of side but you can't then you can't have somebody who plays in on league like that come into a pro side and learn to when to check the shoulders and rotation and all the technical side so You've got to learn that other side first because yeah. the nasty side's a lot easier to add to your game than than vice versa. And and Lewis, just just a, a thought on the current setup at Reading. Obviously, it's it's changed. Um, John, John Madayski, you know, he he's held in such high regard for what he did for for Reading, getting up into the Premier League, and 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 it's it's gone a bit wrong in the last few years since since you left. Uh, but now we've, you know, we've got Paul Lintz as, as the manager. Um, we've got um, director of football. We've got a head of recruitment again. Um, what what do you feel is a good structure for, for a club to have? You know, any any club at any level, but especially if you're talking championship. Um, do you feel something like that is essential to have those positions in place? Yeah, and then it's just, I think the biggest thing is your recruitment now. I know that there's a lot of players that aren't contracted at, at the minute for Reading um, or they've been offered things, but you haven't got many signed players. So it's it's just getting the right players in, players who want to be there and Ince will have a, a style of play. I think I've watched two games this season towards the end of the season. There was a Millwall game, which was a, a, a really boring game and I can't remember the other one. But... Um, yeah, he's gonna. He'll know now what players he wants to suit his style of play, um, and he's gonna have the summer to try and get them in. So you sort of, I think you judge it in six months' time when you've had three months of the next season and see where see where the club's at. He's he needs that sort of time to get his players in, um, and then you can judge on it, judge him on that. Yeah, and and you mentioned uh, you mentioned the word teaching. What what you're doing now? Because you. Uh, have you actually retired from football now? Uh, no, I'm still playing a little bit of uh, semi-pro. It's so it's the lowest I've ever played, that, to be honest. Um, in the COVID season, I was playing at a step three non-league for a team called Gainsborough, uh, who I'd previously played for in the Conference North a few seasons before that. Um, but then when COVID sort of it, I decided to um, do do my teaching degree. Um, and with that going on, and I've got a football franchise business as well, uh, it was just too much with the travelling, travelling like an hour after work and stuff, two nights a week, and then you sat, some of your games are three and a half hours away. So signed for my local non-league club, Grimsby Borough, and it was sort of a, which was step six at the time, and it was sort of just a perfect whirlwind of COVID um, happening. And a lot of, no, a lot of people... Uh, who had just been released from pro clubs around Grimsby, couldn't be bothered to have to travel if the season was going to get cut short from COVID and stuff again, or didn't get another pro contract somewhere because of COVID. 
So we ended up having this like amazing team at step six um, and we've just won our league to go up to step five and won it by a mile. So it's been the most I've ever enjoyed, enjoyed playing football at the lowest level. So I, I still earn a bit of pocket money from it, but it's, it's more of a hobby now and uh, yeah. on the way home. And, and it's interesting because you, you said that when you came down from Grimsby to Reading, you, you weren't quite sure, you know, how, how you would, sort of handle it in emotionally or, or whatever um but it worked out okay for you and 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 a lot of players I think some players struggle you know after they've finished playing and it might be some of those players who you know they're convinced that they're gonna um do really well at, at, at pro level and then it doesn't happen and yeah and then they think what what do they do next and you seem to have um, you seem to have had part of that experience, but but now you've you've carved out. Um, you said you've, you've been enjoying your football and you, you're doing the the football coaching and, and and teaching and that sort of thing. So, um, how important do you think it is that while players are, are playing, that they are thinking about the future? And what age do you need to start thinking about that? quite fickle but it depends how good you are I think I think if you think you're going to break through and you've got a chance of being a pro or like a real good chance then not as much maybe just more in the back of your mind of what if things go wrong but if you're sort of borderline and maybe you're at a lower league club then it sort of as early as possible as soon as possible and the only the biggest advice I'd give to young players is like once you stop playing in that pro environment, it's not, you're like, your life's not over. And I thought it sort of was for it initially, but like I just said, I, I'm 25 now. I've stopped chasing the level. I could play higher than I am, but is it worth it? And then I might be in and out of the team sometimes and I'm traveling here, there and everywhere. I go every week now with a massive smile on my face and, and the same when I come home and you still, it still tops up your wages of whatever other job that you end up doing. Um, you can't complain. I don't think. Yeah, and Johnny, do you, do you, have you got a final question? Yeah, I just just saying about that. Would, are you happier as a teacher than, than you were as a footballer? Is that a fair? Um, yeah, probably. It, it's a, it's a two. It's totally different life lifestyles. The the pressure on yourself is is nowhere near the same. Um, it's more tiring doing what I'm doing now, just because I'm juggling loads of plates. And as a teacher, you work eight till five, then I've got to go training on a night time and then it's repeat it again. And then if I coach and stuff on a weekend, sometimes it's very full on. Whereas football, you work very intense for an hour and a half and that's it. Like I've been going down the staying at Tom uh, Max house recently and it, they're in nine till half one most days that they're in uh, and they can just go play golf the rest of the day or have their feet up. And, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a different life. Yeah. But they've earned it, to be honest. They have earned it, but it's it's different. And tell us about your um, you're doing the the soccer coaching franchise. Um, is, is there anything connected with with Reading with that, or is that all? Where are you, are you back in Grimsby now? Yeah, I'm back in Grimsby yeah. now. So the it's a, it's called Kicks, um, the football franchise, and it's the biggest sort of youth youth um, football sort of company in the country. It's, it's sort of your pre-phase. So most people start playing at six and then sign it for a team at seven. Well, kicks is as young as like 18 months. 
we have 18 month year olds, two year olds, three, four, five, and you, you, you can't believe it happens until you sort of see it. Um, and I, I took over the Grimsby franchise from my friend who owned two. And it's sort of, it's just, it started in the North and it's spread down the country now. And there's, there's 22,000 kids who come to kicks every week now. Uh, and it's just coming down. And uh, I, I was speaking on uh, Warzone in lockdown, this Call of Duty game when we was all off um, to Tom and mentioned how good Grimsby was, was going. And he sort of jokingly said, all right, I'd be interested in opening one. And it was just a bit of a, joke at first and then all of a sudden we was like actually yeah should we do it so we, we'd recently opened we've only got two locations at the minute um one's at south reading leisure center on a saturday and one's at uh arborfield green leisure center on a saturday on a sorry that arborfield greens on a saturday and south reading leisure centers on a sunday but ideally over the next year we should have locations in the middle of reading north east south the west um for kids aged between two and six um and it's just their introduction to football it's a bit of everything the parents get involved and then when they get to that age they leave us and go sign for the grassroots team yeah and so if anyone's interested in finding out more information about that what, what's the website address yeah so get just go on the kicks redding it's k-i-x-x redding on facebook or instagram and then to sign up it's just search kicks.co.uk kicks.org.co.uk um, in Google, put your postcode in and it's the simplest website you can find and it'll, it'll give you all your information. It's been great to have you on as a guest, Lewis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.